Okay, we're preaching on uh, faith today, me and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus probably. Um, so open up your Bibles. I've got a few things I want to run through. Um, oh, before we do, we're praying towards coronavirus that it dies. Amen? So you remember a couple weeks ago, Rachel, um, she, de- she told the story about Joe Ewan and how they've been declaring over their area, no spike, no spread, no second wave. And his city has the lowest COVID rates of all of Europe. <laughs> okay? Um, there's power in your authority in Christ. You are in Jesus. He is in you. Your body is a temple. He's put you on the earth to have authority in the area, and we're believing that as well. So can we just pray together for a minute? Father, we take up our authority in you. We thank you for the, the blood of Jesus and, and the right standing that we have with you, that we get to sit next to you on the throne, that we get to be in you, Jesus, and you are in us. We take up our rightful places on the earth now, and we speak to COVID-19. We say no spike, no spread, no second wave over Oklahoma City in the metro area in the name of Jesus. COVID-19, we push you back. We push you down. We say no more. Go away in the name of Jesus. And all the people said, amen, amen, amen. All right, so today we're talking about why... Would you let doubt win? Say it with me. Why would you let doubt win? Thank you. We're going to be talking about three different stories today. Okay? The first story is in Matthew chapter 14. Second story is in Joshua chapter 3. Third story is in Daniel chapter 10. Any of you Bible scholars can probably preach it for me if you know the stories. Um, Not really, but we're talking about these things. So let me give you a little context. Matthew chapter 14, if you want to open your Bible there, we're going to be looking at verse 24 through, through 32. Matthew 14, 24 through 32. And basically, up until this time, what's happening in Jesus' ministry is he's doing the most phenomenal things. The crowds are gathering around him. He's traveling city to city to city. Every single sick person that comes to him is healed. Every single one. Demons are cast out. The crazies are no longer crazy. He's doing miracle upon miracle upon miracle. He has just finished um, preaching to these people. So in this story, if I have my timing right, Jesus has just found out that John the Baptist, I, this may be wrong. This may be like the next one. I'm pretty sure this is it. Jesus just found out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. Okay, now I have to know if I'm lying to you. Okay, thank you. All right, he just found out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. He's mourning. He's sad. He wants to get away from the crowds. And so he bails on civilization, and he goes across the sea to get away from people to be on a mountain by himself. But all the people can't get away, and so they chase him down, and they show up where he pulls up on the shore. And he's like, oh, my gosh. And not just a few people. We are talking thousands. Does anybody know how many people can sit in the the arena, the thunder arena? 14,000? Yeah, something like that. 14, 15, 16, somewhere around there. Okay, have you ever been to that stadium when it's pretty much full? Raise your hand. 
Okay, so in, in, envision all of those people. That's how many people show up next to Jesus, and they're like, please, heal us, teach us, feed us. And for days, he's preaching to these people about God's goodness, his love, he's healing the sick, he's seeing all of these amazing things happen with this huge crowd. He sees um, the, the food multiplied. He takes a few loaves and he feeds the whole stadium. Can you imagine how many truckloads, how many semis does it take to feed the Thunder Arena, right? And Jesus, with a few little loaves that could fit on this table, feeds the entire stadium. It's crazy. So finally, Jesus feeds them. He sends them away. He says, guys, I got to be alone. I got to be with God. Please, go, go elsewhere. He sends his disciples into the boat, says, hey, take off. I'll catch you on the other side. Jesus goes to the top of the mountain. He's connecting with God. He's being with his father. He gets recharged, refreshed, filled up. He comes down the mountain. All right, what time is it in the story? 3 a.m., 4 a.m., something like that. So we've got a little boat, beautiful boat. We've got the waves. The waves are pretty high. The disciples, they're all in here. That's 12, trust me. And then Jesus is coming down the mountain. Ah, Jesus comes down the mountain. Now Jesus is walking on the water. Hallelujah. Amen. So he's like scooting along, walking on top of the waves, just cruising to the guys. 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning, they freak out. Ah, it's a ghost. They get terrified. They're worried who it is. Jesus says, hey, don't be scared. And they're like, oh, it's okay, we won't be scared. You're walking on the water. And Peter, I love Peter, he says, Jesus, let me come with you. And Jesus says, sure, come on the water. And all of a sudden, Peter is walking on the water. Hallelujah. Amen. So Peter, he does it. He, he does what he wanted to do. He obeys God. He heard who Jesus was. He had faith in his heart. And now he's walking on the water. But then he looks at the waves and he's like, whoa, that wave's really high. And he's like, ah seeking help me Jesus okay Jesus reaches out okay and that's where we catch the story verse uh, 24 well let's see well, verse 31 Jesus immediately stretches out his hand and he lifts him up and he said what little faith you have why would you let doubt win this is out of the passion translation why would you let doubt win? And the very moment they both, at that very moment, they both stepped into the boat, the raging wind ceased, and all the disciples bowed down and worshiped Jesus. Amen? I love this. And whenever I was reading it about three or four weeks ago, I was just studying normally, and that phrase really stood out to me strongly. Like, gosh, what? Jesus in that moment was disappointed. Jesus expected Peter to have faith. Jesus expected Peter to beat doubt and to walk on the water. It was already happening, and when he began to shift his mindset onto something else, he began to sink, and Jesus was like, what are you doing? Why would you let doubt win? There was a failure in Peter's thinking. There was a, the, a failure in his mindset about who Jesus was and the word of Jesus that was spoken to him that it wasn't strong enough to overcome his current realities. Amen? And so in his shortcoming in his mind, he began to sink. And the ability of the supernatural to break through the real world also began to crumble in that moment. And Jesus' phrase to him was, why would you let doubt win? So we're talking about faith today, and I want to bring up some questions in your mind 
about the things that God has spoken to you over the years where you know that God said this without a doubt. God said this to me. And you have let doubt win. And I envision a sea of doubt, like an ocean. You're standing up. Maybe the water is, is about uh, thigh high. And the, 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 the sand on the bottom of this sea, I envision God giving you a word and you hang on to it. Maybe it's like a coin or a rock or something like that. You, got, you receive a word from God. You're hanging on to it. And then in a sea of doubt, all of a sudden you get nervous and you let go and it drops onto the floor of the sea. And then as the waves come, as the wind comes, the sand gets stirred up. All of a sudden that promise from God gets covered up. You lose it. It's no longer reality for you. It's not something that, the, that God has given to you anymore. But what I want you to know today is that his promises to you, his word for you is still true. And it's still on the floor of that sea of doubt. All it takes for you today is to reach down and find it, pick it up, and hold on to it again. And it's just as true today as it was when God gave it to you. Amen? Why would you let doubt win? Change your mindset on who God is for you. Because it's still true today. But you've got to know who Jesus is. You've got to know what his word is to you. Our second story today comes from Joshua chapter 3. You guys, if you are here last week, you heard Abner talk about he was running in South Africa. And uh, he almost got squished by a trash truck. And he was running, he was expecting the cars to come this way, so he's looking this way, and he forgot the cars come from the other direction. And he came within inches, literally inches of his life. And he got back to the hotel, and he's like, wow, that was crazy, God. And the Lord was like, you were almost with me today. And he's like, I know. And the Lord stopped him, and he says, why do you believe? Why do you know that you would be with me today if you died? And he's like, well, you know, my whole life I've, I've heard it. It's what the word says. I know what you've told it to me. It's, it's in the Bible. I believe it. I just, I just know it's real. It's reality. And I think a lot of people in the room probably have that same thought. If you die today, probably the majority of the people in the room, without any doubts at all, you know that you're going to be with Jesus in heaven right when you die. And so the Lord says to Abner, he says, I want you to believe every word that I speak to you like you believe that you'll be with me in heaven. Because it's the same God and it's the same word. The same power in those words. The power that created the whole universe by speaking it out. That's the same power of God giving you these things when he talks to you. Amen? Joshua chapter 3. We heard this a couple weeks ago from uh, Joseph Garlington when we were at Voice of the Apostles when Rachel was getting ordained. It's a great story. Joshua chapter 3 verses 5 through 17. And what's, what the, the context is here is God is finished with them in the desert, with Israel in the desert. They're about to go into the promised land. They're about to begin God, uh, watching God do the most amazing, miraculous things as they conquer the promised land. It's an incredible time in their lives. But the first thing that they have to do is to go over towards Jericho, and they have to cross over the Jordan River, okay? So let's imagine that Jericho, big old fort, is right here. We've got the river flowing, the Jordan River. 
okay? And we've got Israel, okay? The Bible says that the Jordan River at this time was in flood stage. If you've ever been close to a river when it's in flood stage, typically the water's running, you know, at least 20 miles an hour, but oftentimes 30, maybe 40 miles an hour. There's force. It will, it will destroy anything in its path. Um, one time I got to go to Zimbabwe with Rachel's dad. We went to the um, Zambezi River, which is at Victoria Falls. It's one of the widest waterfalls in the world. At the mouth of the falls, like where the falls begin, the river is a mile wide. It's, it's mind-boggling. So we went there when the water was up. It was flood season for the, Zim, the Zambezi River. And we're standing on, on the edge and never in your right mind would you ever consider stepping in that water because it is whoa, it's rushing down off the cliff a mile as far as you can see. So the river is in flood stage. The Jordan is a mighty strong river. God says, take your couple million people and move them across the river while it's in flood stage. He says, I want you to do it this way. I want you to get the, the, get the priests and grab the Ark of the Covenant, pick it up, stick it. I don't know if they carried it. Did they carry it down or up on their shoulder? I forget. Pick up the Ark of the Covenant. Shoulders? Is that what we think? Okay, maybe shoulders. Um, pick up the Ark of the Covenant and walk into the river. And the Bible says, I better just read it so I don't screw it up. Verse 15 of Joshua chapter 3. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests... Oh, sorry, verse 9. Verse 7. Verse 6. Verse 5. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Verse 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive you out before the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the, all the earth, set foot in the Jordan... Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Amen? So it's in flood stage. They pick up the Ark of the Covenant. They're walking into the river. And Joseph Garlington, he says this phrase, whenever you're walking in faith and you're saying yes to God and you're moving in the direction God tells you to, sometimes it feels a little crazy. Sometimes it feels like, what the heck am I doing? walking into this flooding river that could kill you in a moment, what am I doing? And Garlington, in his hilarious way, he says, you know, I was in my right mind when God told me this. I was in my right mind when I agreed to this. I'm still in my right mind, but I am not about to do something wise, right? So they're walking into the water. And can you just imagine that first person carrying the ark? He puts his toes in the water and he's thinking, Okay, like any second now, it's going to stop. He's like, hey, hey, hey guys, slow, slow it down a little bit. Okay, like, hold on. And they're like, come on, man, we got to go. And he's like, ah, he gets his foot in the water. Nothing's happening. He gets his ankle in the water. He's like, guys, 
No, I want to be the last one. Let's spin this thing around. Like, I'm not doing this. We're walking into a river. What are we doing? And they're like, no, God said, let's go. And he gets his, like, calf deep, his knee deep. The second guy behind him, now he's starting to get wet. Nothing's happening. As far as you can see, from the east to the west or whichever way it runs, you can see this flooding river, and God is not doing anything. They all get into the water. Nothing happens. They're standing in the floodwaters and nothing's happening. And here's what the Bible says. It says that they're trying to cross right here. And can you imagine they're probably able to see Jericho. I don't know how far it was, but their big, mighty, strong enemy that they're about to come and attack. And they're watching them, probably laughing. (laughs) Look at these psychos. They're just going to get wiped out. What are they doing? But the Bible says that way over here, there's a city called Adam. And the moment that they touch the water, supernaturally, God shows up 27 miles away and he puts an invisible dam in the Jordan River. 27 miles away. Bam! Invisible dam. And the waters stand up in a heap is what the Bible says. Can you imagine the people at Adam just like, whoa. What? They have no idea who Israel is. Like probably they they have no idea what God is doing on this day. And all of a sudden they're down there bathing or or, or, or washing their clothes or whatever. And bam, this huge wall of of water begins to stand up. And we're not talking 12 feet. We're probably not talking 30 feet. I mean, you have to stop the entire flooding river in one point. How tall does this water go? How wide does it go? And it's flowing, let's say it's flooding 30 miles an hour. How long does it take to go that far if you're traveling 30 miles an hour and you got to go 27 miles? That's one hour. No. Who can do math quickly? (laughs) What? Thank you. Yeah, one hour. I can do math. So they're standing with the Ark of the Covenant in the flooding waters for one hour, waiting, believing, thinking to themselves, I was in my right mind when I said yes to this. Like, surely God's going to show up. This is like, this is how his nation continues. And they stand in faith in the middle of a flooding, raging river for one hour until the effects of what they were obedient to come to pass in the natural. Amen? Sometimes when you say yes to God, and you believe God, and you do what he calls you to do, he responds immediately, but it takes a little while for it to happen in the natural. The Bible says that the water did completely dry up and they walked across the Jordan on dry land. The third story is from Daniel chapter 10. And this is an interesting story where Daniel has a revelation from God. And it terrifies him. I mean, he freaks out. 
he's, he's so scared that he quits eating and drinking. And I think he says to the Lord, like, God, I'm not going to eat or drink until you show me what in the world does this mean because this is terrifying. And he commits in his heart to seek God until God shows up. So Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. 12 says, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. I better not read anymore. So 21 days. Daniel has this vision right here. He prays and he says, God, I'm not going to eat again until you show up for me. Day two. Nothing. Three. Nothing. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. Ten. Eleven. Twelve. I can't do that many. But 21 days. 24 days. Somewhere around there. Nothing. 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 God. Why would you give me this revelation? Why would you? What are you doing? You're going to make me die. (laughs) Why aren't you answering my question? I'm going to starve to death. What are you doing, God? I'm being faithful to you. You gave me this revelation. You're not speaking. And here I am. Now I'm going to die. Awesome. And the Bible says, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. So get that. Day one, immediately in the spirit realm, God responds. And he says, hey, messenger, quickly go. Bring the revelation to Daniel. But the Bible says, verse 13, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came and helped me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So again, we see in the Bible an immediate uh, response from the Lord, but it just takes a little time in the natural to actually show up. And that's what I want us to catch on to today. Hebrews 11 6, 11 verse 6, it says, you can't please God. You literally can't make him happy unless you believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. And then if you go read through all of these stories from Hebrews chapter 11, we, talk, we read about Abel and his sacrifice being better than God. There was not anything phenomenal in that story. But in God's eyes, it was a mighty, powerful act of faith. In the natural, it seemed super normal, and it seemed like not much happened. In fact, life went on with Cain and Abel for several more days until something horrific happened, and Cain killed him. But in God's book, his act of faith changed things. In that moment, it changed things. Enoch being taken to heaven is what Hebrews 11 talks about. Noah building the ark. God calls him to build an ark, and it was not. He was like, well, okay. And now he labors for a long, long time in the natural, obeying God with nothing happening to back it up. But he heard the voice of God, and he said, yes. If you go look at Abraham leaving his home to follow God, God speaks, and he says, yes, God, I will follow you wherever you want me to go. Very normal, natural set of circumstances. But in God's book, his faith changed history. 
In every single account of faith in Hebrews 11, we can pretty much say the same thing. Wow, that was not that big of a deal. But in God's eyes, that act of faith, saying yes to God, it moved mountains in the spiritual realm. I'm reminded of 2 Chronicles. Uh, I can't remember what chapter. But it talks about how the Lord was going to, um, they were going to war. Israel was going to war. And God said, here's how you're going to win the war. I want you to send the worshipers out first. And it says that as they worshiped, the Lord set ambushes against the enemy. And the enemy killed themselves. And they never even lifted a finger to fight. Because worship is warfare. When you stand in this room and we worship together this morning, it feels, that feels good. And it feels like, yeah, we're singing praises to God, but it doesn't feel like we are shaking the world or doing anything crazy in the spiritual realm. But what we don't understand is that's not how God works. What you did this morning, and I don't know what you personally were doing in your worship, but there is potential for what you did with your time with God in worship today to have immediately had an effect in the heavenly realms. And already God is unleashing angels to come on your behalf and wage war against your enemy, but you may not see it for many weeks to come. And so faith is that whole journey of saying, God said it, I know he's trustworthy, I know he said this, I was in my right mind when I said yes to this and I agreed to it. And therefore, because I wasn't nuts when I agreed to it, I'm going to stand here in faith until it happens because that is how faith works. So what I want us to think through is what are the things that God has spoken to you over the years, God approached you. He put something in you. He handed something to you. He gave you a word. He gave you an encouragement. He gave you a direction and a purpose of your life. And along the way, while you're standing in the floodwaters thinking, this is nuts, this is embarrassing, my enemy's laughing at me, I better let go of this and go back to safety. And we dropped those promises in that sea of doubt. The word from Jesus to you this morning is why would you let doubt win? That promise is just as available for you today as it was then. And all you have to do is reach down and pick it up and hold on to it and agree in faith and stand in faith until God shows up and does it. And what's crazy is as you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, it says, In all of these, though they gained divine approval through their faith, they did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Because God had us in mind and something better for us so that they, these men and women of authentic faith, would not be made perfect that is completed in him apart from us. So what that means in layman's terms is sometimes the things that God gives you to stand in faith, he wants you to stand and stand and stand and stand and stand. And you may not see the fulfillment of it 
until you're in heaven. Because God knits us together as this family. And sometimes he needs somebody else's faith to make what I'm believing for become reality. And he loves that. Like that's one of his biggest delights. So then he's looking for people who are willing to stand in faith. I know who God is. I know what he told me. I was not crazy when I made this decision. And I'm not going to back down until it happens. Amen? So stand up with me. Cody, would you mind jumping on the keys real quick? Please. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't ask you. So just close your eyes. And what I, what I want to encourage you to do is take this week and really process this statement. Why would you let doubt win? That's not Jesus' heart for you. He doesn't want doubt to win in your life. But for this morning, I would love for you to grab a hold of one thing that the Lord has spoken to you, that you know it was God, but you let it go. Because he wants to resurrect some of those things. He wants to pick up those things this morning. He wants to dust them off. He wants to bring fresh life and fresh energy and fresh faith to the promises of God over your life. So I want you to picture one of those things and pick it up off of that sea of doubt, the floor of the sea. Blow off the sand. Clean it off a little bit. Look it. Remember what it is. And just hold it in your heart. Father, we thank you that doubt has no power to win in our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you gave us the ability to stand in faith all the days of our life. We thank you for the rewards that you're going to give as we stand in faith. We speak to those who have had weak faith, who have given up, who have dropped the promises, who have let go of the things that you said. And we say, be strong today. Rise up, pick it up, lift it up. In Jesus' name, have faith in the name of Jesus. Hold on to it again. Restore the promises of God in your hearts. Restore the promises of God in your life. Say yes again to the things that God wants to do in your life. And have boldness to say yes and amen to see those things happen in your life. We stand against doubt in the name of Jesus. As a community of believers, we look doubt in the eyes and we say we rebuke you doubt in Jesus' name. Get away from us in Jesus' name. And for any of those who are too weak to grab those promises on their own, too weak to stand up against faith, as a body of believers in the spirit realm, we press back on doubt in Jesus' name so that they can stand up and grab their promises for themselves. Father, I'm asking for a fundamental mindset shift, an understanding of who you are, of what you've spoken, and of how you work as we stand in faith. And I'm asking for a release of the ability to say yes and amen all the days of their life without ever letting go of those promises again. Just take one more second. Ask the Lord, what have I dropped? 
where am I letting doubt win? What do you want me to pick up again and believe for? so we seal it up in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, help every single person be able to hold on to those promises and stand and watch them come to pass in their lives in Jesus' name. We look forward to celebrating in heaven, looking at those rewards that they were received from you because they said yes today. They didn't let go today. We can't wait to watch them happen, Father. We give you permission to blow into their lives like a rushing river, like a rushing wind, to come and bring the life of heaven in every arena over their lives. We give you permission. We pray blessings over every single person. We pray blessings over relationships, blessings over jobs, blessings over finance, blessings over the ability to stand in faith, blessings over their health, blessings over their minds. And we pray blessings over their ability to hear your voice and to stand on it with all that they have. In Jesus' name. Amen.